Welcome back to another episode of Champions of the West. Uh, the football team may be playing for COVID reasons or not, but ladies and gentlemen, the podcast doesn't sleep for anyone. Uh, Nikki, how's your Thanksgiving weekend? Hopefully COVID-free. Hopefully everything was a-okay. I think so. Yeah. I saw Sean uh, at a distance, saw his new dog. Nice. Um, I should say puppy. The but, uh, it's a beautiful dog. It is. It is. It is. Um, yeah, it was. It was good. Did a lot of nothing. So it was very different than many. I made a lot of jokes at work that this was the first uh, Thanksgiving I had where I wasn't. Yes, you know, just aggressively hungover Thanksgiving morning. True. Sean probably can relate, and probably so can you. Both from both from a Thanksgiving perspective and from a football perspective there's something nice about not waking up on saturday and just having just an, an, an inevitable loss stinging right in your face too so there was something kind of pleasant about that as well oh yeah we watched a game outdoors sean and i oh nice. my parents asked oh, that was good. good you watched a great game sean right i'm sure it was a blast to watch such a terrific football game between two great teams god it was it was brutal and the fact like it's just funny that you know it Halfway through the broadcast, and I was like, oh, yeah, Joe Milton had an injury. Like, classic Harbaugh, Michigan quarterback, mystery injuries. I don't know if we really kept a quarterback healthy up until the final game. Um, but, yeah, it was great to see Mr. Nick. Uh, seems like we're in the clear COVID-wise. Seems like that was our last COVID Thanksgiving, right? Next next year we should be effectively. I hope so. Here. Yeah, that's the hope. At least in the U.S. I mean, look, we're not epidemiologists, but that's that's my two cents too, for sure. Yeah, and I think you know the the breakout from a Michigan sports perspective was Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, like if any any of us said, hey, he's going to be our go to player, and frankly, sometimes the best player on the on the court, uh, we would be really bullish on the season. So amazing to see uh, that progression. For a, for a center freshman. Yeah, we'll we'll jump to that. Uh dear listener, I texted Nick and Sean cuz we we picked our three non Franz Wagner three leading scorers through the first three games and the three of us each picked one guy and each of those three guys was uh was 1 2 and 3 on that list. So, good on us. If, if you listen and follow the stats, you'll know that we finally got something right for the first time in a while and when we do, we we definitely gloat about it. Um but let's let's get into football first. Um, there's no game this weekend, which I think for the three of us is kind of a nice respite since this football season has been politely a total shit show train wreck that is completely off the rails and the train station's on fire. I'd probably say maybe, maybe not that bad, but we're, we're getting close to that territory. Um, but I was kind of thinking about the whole Harbaugh thing and I, I hate to bring this up every week, but we kind of have to bring it up every week, but I kind of feel like he's a... Like, like a guy who's in high school who's kind of overstayed his welcome a little bit. You know, freshman year, sophomore year, the first two years of Harbaugh, we were all like, this is the coolest guy in school. He's he's the one that's that's kind of – he's wearing the cool clothes. He's talking to the cool girls. He's doing everything he's got to do, and people like him. Junior, senior year, people were like, eh, you know what? I get it. It's still pretty good. It's not great. Um, but this guy just didn't um, – he didn't complete all his credits. So now he's a sixth year senior and he's just kind of hanging around a little too long. And everyone in the town is kind of saying like, you're 21 years old. You shouldn't be in high school. It's, it's maybe time to go to college or get a job or something. And we are now second semester year six of Jim Harbaugh. And guys, 
I think after this Penn State game, an awful Penn State team, I think I, I, I'll say it. I don't know whether you guys agree, but you got to kick the tires on Jim Harbaugh, and that's the end. It was a flat team with no quarterback play, with just an uninspired offensive game plan. It looked like Cade McNamara like busted his shoulder at some point and got hurt. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned before there's no game this weekend, so there's not even a litmus test to see how the team can rebound after this weekend, but I don't see it. I just don't see a locker room of guys that are charged up and fired up the way that they were. Nick, I see that you're you're vigorously dis- like shaking your head. So I'll start with you first. Is my Harbaugh analogy kind of in the ballpark? And then second, is this the end? It was this Penn, this this loss to a winless Penn State team, the end of the line for for JH and his khakis. Yeah, I mean, I think it's almost been a routine for him. Um, if going back to San Diego. I mean, he was at San Diego for what, three or four years and then moved on to Stanford. Um, and Stanford was there, what, five years, four years? Yeah, just about. Um, and then I heard there, like, the donors got angry with him and his ways and moved on to San Francisco. And then after four years in San Francisco, was it? He moved on to Michigan. So. What's interesting, though, unfortunately, is- yeah. He said it was going to be different. He wanted it to be different, but it hasn't has been different at all. Yep. Go ahead, Sean. Because he hasn't changed. He just has changed the way he talks about. Yep. Agreed. I mean he he was a he was a winner in all in all three of his past stops, and he's a win. I mean, you know, technically he's a winner here, but if he's out, it's not going to be on his his terms. But that being said, the 49ers kind of ran him out. I guess I guess the performance is going to be really the reason why. Um, and maybe it's because Michigan's department was going to turn a blind eye to some of the perform uh, to some of the interpersonal related issues, but the players can't, right? Like, um, I think another good exa- analogy is is Jeb Bush. The reason why I bring up Jeb Bush is because they both uttered the two most pathetic words when trying to rile up a fan base, which is "please clap." I don't know if you guys saw that article uh, that came out on Monday. Someone was right behind the sidelines. And I actually think I mentioned this um, in a prior podcast that it'd be awesome just to see what happens on the sidelines. And I think it was that AJ Henning play where there was like a 30 yard completion and Harbaugh looked to the sidelines and said, please clap. Um, Jeb Bush started up high, thought he was going to win the nomination, just continued to crater. So who knows what happens with Michigan football. I think that like, if the season ends now, if the the no kind of the the no update no comment from more manual kind of seems like Harbaugh is not a guy right like by this point Ward would have announced something or Harbaugh would have said something this is not a good position if we extend them so I'm with you I just think the timing if it was a non COVID year and Jim Harbaugh in a full 12 game schedule was four and eight. I think he'd already be out or four and whatever, four and six, three and seven. I think he'd be out the door. I think, I mean, Sean, do you think there's going to be another game the rest of the year? Because if there's no other game and there's no other marker for Michigan to show on the schedule, kind of what they can do and how they can play, 
And that, that's it for Harbaugh. You have a win over a dreadful Minnesota team, and you managed to beat Rutgers in triple overtime. Those are the only two positive marks on a 2020 year. That, to be honest, that felt if you were to put 2020 as a year, it would probably be Michigan's two and four schedule. Maybe you sneak out one or two wins, but overall, it's really disastrous. You beat a shitty team in overtime. That's that's kind of it. I mean, if if that's how it ends. Is that it for Harbaugh? Yeah. I, I I hate to phrase it differently, but like this, he's he's been terrible this year. The team's been terrible. And then you play like a crossover game against like what, like Nebraska? If he loses the crossover, Illinois it would be exactly it would be to Illinois or Nebraska. It could be to Minnesota again too. I don't know, but you can't. There's no nothing redeemable if you beat one of those teams this season. Yeah, I would, I would personally love to see us play Nebraska, but I mean. It looks like breaking news alert. It looks like there's at least twelve COVID positive cases, and it started at as just one oh, when we heard on, on Monday. So you've got to imagine it's going to like spike on the team at like twenty ish, and that that effectively takes it out of Ohio State. Game, yeah, one hundred percent. Lucky to play Nebraska, but I mean, hey, this has just been like a really poorly rolled out solution, and. Half job. The U of M overall. Yeah, U of M, the Big Ten, University yeah, no, in general. Yep. No bye weeks or anything like that. I would even argue Michigan was lucky that Michigan got to play six weeks in a row. You know, there was a chance they weren't. I mean, look at Wisconsin. Wisconsin got ravaged, and that was kind of it. Michigan got six weeks in a row. It just sucks they went two and four in those games. That's just the reality. Do you guys think the Big Ten will alter the rules so that – Ohio State makes the play, makes the Big Ten championship. So if they don't have enough games, it sounds like they're going to. Here's here's what I think, Nick. Uh, my hypothesis is Ohio State will play Michigan State hell or high water this weekend, and then there will be at least one other team next weekend that will have COVID issues, and Ohio State will schedule the team that was supposed to play the team with COVID issues instead. So they will definitely get a sixth game. I just. It won't be against Michigan, but I don't think that's the only team in the Big Ten that's going to have issues, and the Big Ten will make sure that Ohio State gets to play game six and then gets to play in the Big Ten championship a week later. That's my guess. It sounds about right. So it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. There's there's a lot to, to look at. Um, should, we move? should we move to basketball? I feel like football's kind of – oh, go ahead, Sean. Would you guys want us to play Ohio State? No. I just, no, I don't care. I, I mean, I, I'm going to say no. I feel like it's just a no-win proposition. Like, if you beat Ohio State, they'll say, oh, it was, a, it was a COVID year and we were down players. So, no, I don't want an asterisk to come with the one time we beat Ohio State in 10 years. I say no. Um, it's, so, it's so sad to me, but like... Yeah, but I can't let Kirk Curb Street, Kirk Curb Street win. That was terrible. But Kirk Herbstreet is an Ohio State hater. For those that don't know, Kirk Herbstreet pretty much called Michigan chickens for dodging what they hypothetically think was dodging the Ohio State game, then came back and reverted on it. Um, If Herbstreet is right or wrong, Sean – That is one thing I'll give Jim Harbaugh is he's a competitor. Oh, yeah. I don't think Michigan would try to dodge them. And if Sean's – if the numbers that you reported, Sean, from whatever report came out are right – there's a zero percent chance they're going to have enough healthy guys if it's going to spread to play Ohio State next week. There's just no way. So I think it would be a moot point. 
Um, but no, I, I would not want to play this Ohio State team because if they give a shit, uh, they could beat Michigan by 50 this year without blinking. For sure, yeah. It's more about you know an indication of our the health of our program. Because yeah. even we hope, I think we still would get up for those games. But yeah, yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say transitioning over is the, the Ward's comment about what was, was strong and, and right on for him. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that, but uh, I did. You can. Me as well. No. <laughs> no. No, I didn't see it. Wilson, oh. I mean, it was just like very- it was good. He was basically he's like, yeah, just called him out and said, "This is not what Michigan's about. We're the winningest program in history from playing anyone who wants to play us." Yeah, to insinuate that is dumb. crazy. As sorry, last question: as two native Ann Arbor guys, is the whole winningest program in history? Look, I feel like the Michigan program compared to Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, on and on and on, are just not at the same level. Are you guys pr- like prideful when we talk about Michigan football being the winningest program in history? Or are we really talking about revisionist history in the last 20 years and how Michigan has kind of been, except for maybe one or two years, a good but not great program? Because I feel like people love to shit on Michigan for that reason. And it's tricky to kind of defend football and the football program in general because there's been a lot of past history, but not a lot of recent history. So I'm curious as two local guys, kind of what your sense of all of that is. I feel like we grew up in the prime years for us were the last of the – we don't really remember the, the Lloyd Card National Championship. We were too young. Um, but – like the years after that, where I feel like in a five-year stretch, we went to three Rose Bowls. Like we beat Ohio State twice in a row, maybe three times. I've seen, I've seen two, I've seen two wins at home in my life. That's so depressing. There you go. I'm glad you put that stat out for yourself. Two wins in person. I've seen one on TV. Yeah, we went back. That I remember in 26 years. Um, so we'll say 20 years for what I remember, but yeah, I mean, um, but, but there, the standard was to get to the Rose bowl and maybe those years Ohio state was getting to the national championship that we were in the Rose bowl, but, um, it seemed feasible. And even, you know, with Brady Hoke, he got to, um, he maybe inherited a team with Rich Rod, but as we were, as I was saying with my uncle, like at least those games were fun to watch the speed and space. Like it goes all the way to Gaddis. Like, I don't know what the deal is, but the offense is terrible. The defense is terrible. Like it's they got a clean house, I think. I really do. I think so too. Sean, any any last this gets me to frenzy. Then we, can, we should get to basketball. Basketball because we, we I don't have any clue who's gonna be the replacement, but everyone says it's Matt Campbell. We'll have, I just don't understand. We'll it. have time. We'll have lots of time to talk about that. Let's let's move to basketball. Um to a program where in my now, ninth season following the basketball team, we've seen two national championship game appearances, some Big Ten championships. We've seen we've seen some really good shit, as the kids say, on the basketball front. It's been really, really good. Um, we had three basketball games since we last potted. Um, I would say overall, very positive, good start. The Oakland game, I think, was a blip. It looked like they hadn't played any zone, but, you know, I think we should just do like overall takeaways. Um, for those that, that missed it, Michigan beat Bowling Green. 
then beat Oakland in overtime, and then last night being Wednesday, beat uh, Ball State um, pretty convincingly. Um, for for my money, the, the two best players on the team up to this point have been Isaiah Livers and Hunter Dickinson, who are the two leading scorers with 20 and 14 points respectively. Um, both guys are shooting ridiculous 62% from the floor. Livers is shooting 53% from three, which it would blow out that crazy number that we picked. Um, you have six guys that have eight points or more. Um, those seem like the main six guys. Um, th- there's a lot I want to get into. Uh, Nick, starting with you, I feel like you already kind of told me this off air, but I'll let you answer the question anyway. Who has been the biggest and most pleasant surprise to you through three games? I wonder who I told you. I thought you said the other day. I thought you said the big man in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the obvious one. Yeah, yeah number one is Hunter Duncan, Hunter Dickinson. Um, I mean, he's. I think everyone has said it like on on every airway that he needs a touch every time we're down the floor, um, unless we're pushing the rock you've got to get the ball to him in the middle because he can facilitate from there. It's something that we really haven't seen that I can remember. I don't know if I'm not giving John Teske enough credit, but this is a guy that is a face-up guy that is different than Mo, um, that can can pass from the middle and hit guys to open jumpers. That's why I think in part is why Livers is, is shooting well. Um, and hopefully Franz will, will start shooting better as well. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasant surprise to watch him play and hopefully we can keep playing with him and not not davis davis has not looked great to me i think there's been like one good stretch john well dickinson for sure has been the the rising star and i'll talk about other players so it's not repetitive but a quick stat was that dickinson eclipsed austin davis's career assist record his fifth year austin davis's career assist record in the second game like to, yep. to the next point, like this guy is uh, has a lot of skills that we have not seen. Um, Nick, when have we, we haven't seen a guy like play with his back to the blast basket like that? I mean, Mitch McGarry, of course, you know, was a was a dynamic big man, but that was a flash in the pan. You know, a good march in his freshman year stretch. Yeah. And McGarry's got the lefty thing going too, which Dickinson has as well. Yeah, um, but I think that you know, generally, I think everyone minus uh, Wagner and maybe a little bit um, Eli Brooks has been above average or at least on average with what we thought, right? Mike Smith, above average. Like, I didn't think that he was really going to be ready for D1. I think he is. I think he was yeah. – uh, he, he shows that playmaking ability. Uh, Chandi Brown, um, I think we kind of know what we're going to get. but when he Honestly, Zeb that, Jackson looked pretty good in, in garbage minutes. Mm-hmm. All right. No, no. Wouldn't be my, I, I, no, personally, no. But, (laughs) and Sean, by the way, for the record, um, Mike Smith came from Columbia. That's D1 basketball. They're, they're FCS football, but they definitely played D1 basketball as well. So just real D1. Yeah. Real high level D1. Yeah, absolutely. Not mid-major. Yeah, yeah, yeah. High level. Yeah. Top, he's one of two Columbia transfers. Yeah. Josh, you were high on Duran Fultz. Dude, Duran Fultz had a really nice move in the game. I don't know if you saw in garbage time. He threw a little a little layup in. It looked pretty damn good. The backup backup big. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but overall I think I think generally our players are looking better than uh, than we expected. You know, most of all, 
Duncan Dickinson. But actually, you know what? Maybe even more surprising was uh, Terrence Williams. I didn't think we were going to see that sort of run in Terrence Williams. What's the minute breakdown between him and uh, Johns? So Johns is averaging 12 minutes a game, Dickens and, and Williams is averaging 10 minutes a game. Pretty close. We, we did not expect that. No. And that's, but, and, and, you know, I, I don't know if you had anything else, but that's, that was going to be my biggest bone to pick so far is I feel like Brandon Johns has been so good and really active in the minutes he's been on the floor. And yet Jawan just continues to insist and move different guys around. He's playing Austin Davis. I don't know. Austin Davis is only averaging 13 minutes a game, which I, I find pretty hard to believe. Um, but I know he can finish and do these things, but I feel like we've kind of said it like for for Michigan to get to the ceiling that it wants to get to, it needs to play Brandon Johns as the backup five and make sure that he's getting enough consistent minutes. Um, I think at this point you have to play Hunter Dickinson 25 minutes a game, which is not a sentence I would have said definitively last week or the week before, but now I feel strongly that he has to play as many minutes as he can, that he can run up and down. Um, yeah, I, I thought. I thought. I mean, if you want to do quick, I can do quick superlatives. I'm just thinking like the best shooter on the team, by the way, has been Livers. I think Livers has been just phenomenal shooting off the dribble on the catch and shoot. Dickinson's passing has just blown me away by how good it is. I've, you know, we've all played basketball, and and you think it's something easy, but to to make those passes in in short windows, like when from four to six feet, and throw a bounce pass and throw, you know, the kind of different angles, and then also to have the depth, the the deft touch to make those passes across the wing and to find open shooters. I mean, he's been awesome. Uh, Johnny Brown. It's funny. Cause I feel like we were texting about how incredible his shooting was. And then he had one of the worst shooting games I can remember, but I never felt like his shooting was what should have kept him off the floor. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like he was, he was playing excellent defense and hustling and Mike Smith's a playmaker. I thought Brooks was pretty good defensively. And, and Sean, you're totally right. Terrence Williams is one of those guys that I don't think, we thought would make an impact this early. Um, but he's just like a undersized five or big four or whatever you want to do with him. But I, I feel like you have to keep him on the floor. So my question to both of you is what do you do with the rotation now that you know that you have nine or 10 guys who can play and Franz Wagner, who we thought was going to be the best and most player, more most important player to start the year, doesn't have a bad start. He's averaging ten and eight, which is pretty good. Um, but he just seems off. Would you do something different to kind of get Franz going? Because I, I feel like he's in a bit of a funk, even though he didn't play too poorly in the last game. Me or me? John, I usually it. give someone a name, but I, I kind of just got to look. Yeah. There. Whoops. Uh, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. I think uh, I think you know the first five minutes of of the game was was the playbook to get Franz started. Right, yeah. he scored seven points through four fouls or something like that. Uh, he was incredibly efficient, and him him going downhill is impressive because the guy's legs are so long that it's not not a long hill that he has to climb, um, right, or, or run down, I guess. So I think that that's one aspect. And the other aspect is like, what can he do in the pick and roll? We haven't really seen, you know, much successful outcomes from that. And we haven't really seen that many uh, looks specifically for Franz, right? I mean, Josh, do you remember well, specific plays? I mean, it's it doesn't, he's not shooting the ball well. 
he's getting to the hole. He's only made one three the whole year. So that's tough. And he's only shot yeah. seven threes, which I feel like he should be shooting more. I don't know. Um, but I, I guess I don't know the scattering report on him. He gets downhill fast and can get to the hoop and he gets free throw attempts, but I, I don't, is he not a three ball shooter? I guess he's shooting. Yeah. 15%. No, he is a three point shooter. That was one of the things that we saw with him coming into Michigan was he's such a good three point shooter. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he hasn't gotten good looks yet. Maybe he tried to force it, but to be honest, I, against these teams that we can kind of overpower, I feel like we don't need to take a ton of threes. Livers can take some and maybe Shawnee Brown a couple, but like Dickinson took one three and I'm like, you have literally been making every layup and every jump hook in the paint and you are just forcing up a lefty three pointer from 28 feet. Why? Why, why are you doing this? So the three point thing with Franz, I think he'll come back up and, and I, I'm not worried. He's only one for seven. Like you said, Nick, small sample size, but like, I want us to keep attacking the paint and making these moves. The passing has been so good where I want to just see more interior attempts. I don't know. Sean, what, sorry, we, we cut you off. We got a little excited there. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think the, first of all, he's going to get better, right? I think he started off, um, he started off his freshman year with a shooting slump. And uh, second of all, these are, this is like an experienced group, but they're new playing with each other. So uh, running the offense through Mike Smith, I think, takes a little bit of time, especially when you're not a dead-eye shooter like Rivers. Uh, that's sort of my – we can put a point on that. But let's, let's, do, uh, let's do a quick over-under 14.5 points for Franz on Sunday. Over. 14.5. Over. How many over. did he have? I think he had 14 against, against – um... Bowling Green against Ball State. Ball State, yeah. Yep. I think unless UCF is like a crazy zone defense, I think over. I think I think Juwan is going to try to get him a bunch of looks. I think UCF is a bigger, more athletic team than anyone we've seen so far, and we're going to need Browns to just show up, and I think he will. Completely agree, and he's a gamer, right? I think I think it's hard to get. You saw how depressing that place looked on on Tuesday, right? Like empty. It looks like. It's just tough to get up for those kind yeah. of games. But Big Ten is a little bit different. Him seeing familiar faces and foes, I think will he'll start to rise. And I think the NC State game too will be a good, good actual non-conference game. Yeah, I agree. Nick, rotation-wise, from what you've seen so far, you're higher on Zeb Jackson, so I kind of want you to expound on that. I just know there's no room for him, so I want him to get minutes now. Yeah, I, I get that. But my other thing is Juwan was like, we're going to need everybody. We're going to need different guys, even TikTok star Adrian Nunez. But he didn't get a three up, which I was bummed about. Um, I know. He got crossed a couple of times. He did. He, he's that Matt McClung wannabe. As, as Sean would say, he, he may not be a, uh, a D1 player. Um, he may be better off playing in the <laughs> Ivy League. Him and Mike Smith doing a little, uh, how you doing? A little, might do that. A little switch. Um, Columbia is like fringe Ivy League. I never, not, not, no, any, right? Bad. Like, I'd imagine they're yeah. probably the one that you you think of the least amount. That's that's a fair point because you think of the Ivy League for academics. That that's totally a reasonable claim. And also like football. You think of the Ivy League for football? I don't think of the Ivy League for football, but I think of the Ivy League in sports, where it's like 
or maybe prominent sports. Columbia doesn't seem like they have a very good reputation. They don't. They don't. Right? No, because it's hard to attract people to play big sports in New York City. That's just not exactly a breeding ground for where athletes want to yeah. play. Yeah. Uh, but like Harvard, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Nick. We've heard those names a little bit more when you're thinking about the Ivy League conference, I'd say. Okay. Well, we'll have to on our. You can listen to our other podcasts where we do Ivy League weekly, and you can listen to our musings about the academics and athletics. Yeah, exactly. Pretentious kids in America. We uh, <laughs> you can find that on our different feed. Um, yeah. Nick, who's who's the guy or or multiple guys that you yeah. X of Seb Jackson that you want to see rotation that you want to see more that I'm trying to get Sean. I love the musings. I'm trying to get us back on the rails a little bit. I love when you push us off, but I have to be <laughs> the force that puts us back on. Um, but yeah, give me give me a couple guys that you want to see. <laughs> well, yeah, I think we said Brandon Jones. Yeah, obviously, I, I really want to get into that small ball. Five I do too. With him. Um, I really hope it happens. Who would you who would you pair alongside him at the four if you could pick someone? I think you go Shondi, Franz, him, Livers, and. I love that lineup. I think we've played that lineup yeah. a little, and I was thinking to myself, this is the lineup that should be closing games, if or unless you want Dickinson, but like we're playing exactly. a lot. I love that lineup. You have experience. You have how many guys? You have, and and I guess Dickinson could be in it, yeah, yeah, for sure at some point. But like, I don't know. I like Shondi in there. I feel like he's he he's he's played well. He plays calm. Um, if you had that lineup, by the way, need- just just. Just sorry to cut you off, but you'd have Smith, who's a senior. You'd have Livers, who's a senior. You'd have Brooks, who's a senior. You'd have Johns, who's a junior. And Franz, who we argue is the best player on the team, is a sophomore. I mean, that's a wealth of experience that most high-level college basketball teams do not have at their disposal. Yep, exactly. So, we'll see. Um, I, I like that. And then I, I just know there's no minutes for Zeb Jackson, but I feel like he looks good when he's out there. Yeah. But he's just too deep on the guards list and there's it makes sense. So Sean, what, we'll see what happens. What about him. Terrence Williams? That dude seems like he's gonna be a fun player to watch for probably four years. Yep. Right? He's yep. gonna be like the Aaron Kraft for it. Jesus, this guy has just been around for so long. I totally agree. I don't see him him uh leaving but you know aside from some of those free through free throw woes and you know trying to like be the hero. Um, a little bit. I really like him. I, I love his energy. I love kind of the fact that he has this bully ball mentality. Him and Hunter Dickinson clearly have chemistry. Um, we don't have a dude who like would just like go up and get to the basket like that. Um, he's almost like a Zach Novak with you know a four star body. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of of, of his of the way he plays and also his hair. I like his hair. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm with you. the Chris It's fitting. It's yeah. it's fitting. I'm with you for sure. And I think I think your point, Sean, about him being paired with Dickinson is a really good one. Um, I think in the lineup, Nick, that we mentioned, you could go like Dickinson, Williams, and then maybe go like Livers, Franz, or Livers, Shondi, and then a guard, and go really big and have Williams kind of be a hybrid. Because to me, you can have you know, one through four switch with a big. Um, and I feel like it would be interesting for me to see Terrence Williams play with the starters unit 
because I feel like if he's a guy who can just kind of rebound and defend as opposed to having to play with some of the backups, I think it's just a trickier conundrum for him. I just think it's he's forced to do more offensively, and we've seen that he he's not a huge create-yourself guy, but he's a guy that, if put in the right spots, can make a lot of plays. Um, so I'm, I'm really fascinated by him too. I, I didn't know how much he'd be able to contribute and given that there's a log jam at forward, it'll be tough, but, but I'm excited. Um, it looks like, I mean, I, I think we're podcasting on Tuesday. I, I never really know. The schedule is always kind of up in the air, but it looks like only UCF, uh, is the game. That's the, um, that's the, the toughest challenge Michigan's had so far. And UCF has only played one game. They beat Auburn. Um, in front of a crowd that was kind of surprising to me. Um, Aubrey Dawkins is gone. They don't really have a ton of guys. Um, but given that UCF is a, a bigger and better team and already knocked off an SEC opponent, um, yeah. just one thing that you want to see improve or cut out or continue on Sunday. And Nick, we'll start with you. I wonder if we're even going to scale down the minutes this week if it gets closer. Um, Livers and Brooks have played the most, I think, and I think there's minutes they'll eat up, so they'll probably play this. If this is the first close game we've had that went not like Bowling Green, like Bowling Green obviously was overtime, but I don't think they planned that, and they were kind of trying to get guys in and out. Um, Still, I think this game is going to be a bit more serious as well as NC State, so... I can see those guys playing over 35 minutes each, maybe 36 minutes. Um, and with Franz probably right behind him, if he doesn't give up, he just has like silly fouls, like his brother that like put him on the bench for like four minutes. And you're just like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, we've, you're too from, long. we've seen that from him and we've seen that from Shawnee Brown so far, where they'll just commit fouls and they'll totally, and John's too, to an extent, they'll take yeah. themselves out of the game and out of the rotation, which is really frustrating. Yeah. So. I guess for this game is to see if they tighten the rotation at all, or yeah. he's going to stick by his guys and stick by like playing these different kind of shifts. Sean, do you know what the line is yet? Is it coming out? That's the most gambler question you've asked in weeks. Actually, that's pretty good. Uh, pretty good restraint of you, but no, I, I don't I mean, know. It's a succinct way of evaluating how close this game is going to be, right? Like. I, I think that, like, it's a COVID year, right? Auburn seems to have some pretty good seasons under under Bruce Pearl, who seems like he's a good recruiter. And for them to beat UCF, for them to beat Auburn, seems directionally where you want to be, Absolutely. right? Uh, do you, I, yeah, they're ranked not even the top 100 in Ken Palm's ranking, so... Um, I, I I guess I don't know that much about UCF, Josh. I don't know if you've done your uh, your due diligence yet. No, it's it's uh, the non-conference. Get get me in conference season. I'll give you some, no- yeah. some names and numbers. Yeah. I'm not doing that during the non-conference. It's, it's a COVID year. No way. I want to see I want to see Franz. I think you know take that step that we saw him taking in in the conference play, um, and specifically in the half court. Hopefully, we can get him going in the half court. Uh, so I think that's that's one. And two, I want to see more of Brandon Johns, right? I think that everyone's kind of talking about the minutes rotations and stuff like that. Hunter Dickinson is going to have to stay on the floor, um, but Johns is a guy that could get squeezed out next year and not be a not return. I want him to be a prominent player. I want that sort of um, senior mentality uh, on the team. So I like those that. are my two. Games. 
Yeah. For and I'll I'll just add one more. I want to see Franz engaged on both the offensive and the defensive end for 30 plus minutes. We haven't seen a complete Franz performance yet. He, like you mentioned, came really hot at the beginning of one half, really hot at the beginning of the other, was really good defensively. Then he wasn't. Give me a complete 30-minute performance against the best team we've played so far and show everyone that you're the best player on the team. I just want to see that. I haven't seen that yet, and I think it's coming. But I'd rather come against UCF than come against uh, Illinois or Michigan State where it might not be enough or where you might need other guys to contribute to. So that's it for me. Um, Quick national basketball overview. I'll frame this in the form of a open-ended question. Um, have you guys, A, been watching the national games, and B, is there a team that's kind of jumped out to you that that you think, either Big Ten or not, is kind of a really interesting team that you like um, that could potentially give Michigan fits, like I said, either in the conference season or or somewhere down the road? And don't we have ten, Don't we have three teams in the top ten? And maybe we're going to have maybe three teams in the top five? I, Iowa is three... Um, I think Wisconsin is four, and I don't know where Michigan State is right now. Or Illinois might be five. I have to look. I think I think yeah. I think Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois are three, four, five right now. So we'll probably have four teams in the top six, and mm-hmm. and Michigan State is eight right now. Yep. Yeah, and they'll keep moving up. They look good. Yeah, they look they look good. I guess. Um, I think I think. You know, the national landscape looks like it's tilted in the Big Ten's favor, uh, which is awesome to see. Um, I haven't seen much, to be honest. I uh, I like UConn over USC, who just who just uh, won. So I was happy with that. But no, I haven't really been, been watching these games yet. It's not as fun with kind of crap to be just, you know, straight up. That's fair. I mean, I'm a junkie, so I don't care if they're it is way weirder. It's I will weird. say it's way weirder watching college basketball without fans than college football. Wait, so you can so, hear the fans and see the fans in the picture. So let me I think it's way weirder. My two gamblers from a from a gambling perspective, over unders, have they been boosted or diminished by the lack of a crowd so far? No idea. Good. No idea. Here's your homework. You'll have to tell me by the time we speak next whether the over whether there've been more or less scoring due to no fans. I would I would postulate that there's more scoring, right? Okay. No, I don't know. Yeah. Same here. I don't know. But um I've watched some. I watched that Gonzaga game the other day. They looked really bad when what was his name? None. Galen Suggs. 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 He went down and yep. they looked really, really bad after that, I thought. I mean it's hard after you see an injury like that to play, but yeah. They didn't look like the number one team in the country. I'll tell you they that did without not. him. But he came back into the game and they won. I don't know if you saw the end, but they beat West Virginia by five at the end. Um, yeah, when he came yeah, back for sure. Exactly. Like with him, he's really good. Yep. They, like, he, they're very. Good. I was gonna say Gonzaga. Uh, Gonzaga's been the team that's probably impressed me the most up to this point. Yeah, I was gonna say like them. He does, but if he's like goes down, they have no chance. I know, but I have to say, Nick, having they have two guys that start that wear headbands, two like goofy looking white guys. They got Drew Timmy and Corey Kispert. And yeah, uh, dude, I threw you a softball here leading into Gonzaga. And they've won my heart. I I love that Gonzaga team. I'm gonna be honest. Um, I mean, they bring like a four or five star Florida transfer off the bench in Nemhard. Um, they're just good. They just play good, solid basketball. Um, and my, the other team that I really like that I, that I hate to say, I really like is Illinois. Um, Illinois has got some dudes. 
Uh, I've watched more Illinois than I'm probably, I think they've played four games. I probably watched like all, total up to three or two and a half. Um, I mean, Iowa's been fine, but they have this freshman wing, Adam Miller, who is just an absolute dude. Um, they still have Trent Frazier. Um, Kofi hasn't actually been that good so far, but uh, Georgie Bishanishvili came off the bench last night and was just an absolute monster. Um, I, I think they're the team to beat in the Big Ten. It's not Iowa and it's not Wisconsin, except I did a quick high ceiling for sure. I did a quick Iowa check, and Luca Garza has thirty of forty-eight points at halftime for Iowa. So he may, he's just one of those. It's insane. I don't get it. I, I'm gonna be. Like, what does he do? I, like I just I've never figured it out. I don't know. It doesn't make sense because he's six ten, six eleven, but he's not really athletic, and he's not that good of a shooter. He just scores. He's just really efficient and scores. And I don't know. I don't know. People have not figured out how to guard him. They have not. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, for reference, he had 36 points in the first half of the last game and 30 points in the first half of this game, which is 66 points over 40 minutes. Nuts. I I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, I'm just, I'm just looking at the rest of the, of the ranking. That's actually crazy. crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I think those are those are the big ones for now. And Michigan State had a really good win against Duke. They're they're one of those teams um, that I thought lost a lot. They lost Cassius, they lost Tillman, and um, they're just good, man. I mean, they're getting points out of Foster Lawyer. I didn't think that was possible, but but they figured out how to get some points out of him, and he's he's a damn good player. So I think those games against Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State. I mean, you could argue Indiana in there too, Ohio State. Like the Big Ten is just going to be an absolute dogfight this year. It's going to be crazy. Gauntlet for sure. Yep. Yep. Um, Try and finish in the top six. If you finish in the top six, you're a top two seed or top three seed. I, I just don't see any other way around it. I just think teams are too good. Yeah, true. I think that's true. Um. All right. Well, there's there's plenty of basketball to watch as as we mentioned before. Michigan's playing UCF on Sunday, and then we'll we'll be back next week to break that down and and break down some other basketball and a little more football. Um. You guys got anything else? Anything I missed? I don't think so. Go blue. Yeah. Go blue. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I will. I'll be the resident uh, pseudo bracketologist all year by by choice, not not by default. I'll. Uh, I will. I will choose to put my name in the hat and watch. I don't know two hours of college basketball at night, three hours of college basketball at night. Like I, I don't have any. I don't have any plans. I don't have anywhere to go or anything to do. So like I might as well. I'm sure, Julie will like that. Yeah, it's fine. Julie goes to sleep early, and then it's and then it's college. Then I go into the dojo. I call Joe Lenardi for an hour, and we make it happen. That's what we do. <laughs> Give me some picks. Give me some picks tonight. I don't have any picks tonight, but if you give me some time for next week. I'll I'll try to pick a couple games for you, Sean, of teams that I like that will inevitably lose. But I'll give you <laughs> but I'll give you a couple picks. Give me some picks. I'll give you some picks for next week. All right, All right boys. I think I think that's it. Um, Michigan fans, and enjoy the not football this weekend. It'll be a pleasure, and it'll be a, a welcome. It will be. Relax, relax, relax on Saturday. Do something outside and and enjoy and wear a mask and stay safe. And I don't know. You almost made it. Dear dear listener, you got three more weeks to finish out the year. Congratulations for doing that. You deserve some kind of medal, or you can listen to our podcast, whatever you want. All right. For Sean, for Nick, for Josh, stay safe out there. Thank you for listening as always, and we'll see you next week. Peace.